Parshas Mithora, Hidden Treasures. In this week's Edra, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to the Am Yisrael, Ki tavo'u el Eretz Kenan, When you will come to the land, V'natati negat sara'at bebet Eretz achuzatichem. I will give you a plague of leprosy in the houses of the land that you inherit. The Torah is introducing us here to the subject of Nige Batim, leprosy of the homes. Besides for Saras that comes on the skin of a person, there's also such a thing as leprosy on a house. Today, if we find a stain or a certain growth on a wall, so we just wash it off. If washing doesn't do the job, we might scrape it off. But during the period when the Jewish nation was living on the land and conducting itself according to the Torah laws, you couldn't do that. You had to bring the Kohen over to your house and he had to view the nega. And according to certain procedures, the Kohen declared it to be a certain fungi, which is called tzara'as. And after a certain time and under certain conditions, if it doesn't depart, then they go so far as to tear down the house in order to fulfill the law of Nigaim, according to the Torah. Now, there are very many details involved in Nigebatim. Those people who don't know about it won't learn much about it from my words now. And those who do know about it don't need those words. But our point is something else. Our sages took note of an unusual word in our Pasuk, Venatati, instead of, I will place, or I will send, the Torah says, I will give you leprosy. And our sages reveal to us a secret lesson hidden in that word, vinasati. They tell us that Akalosh Baruch Hu is giving the nation a gift. I'm going to give you the gift of leprosy on the walls of your homes. Besura tova nisbasra liyisroel. The Jewish people were given good tidings here. The good news that there's going to be leprosy in some of their houses. Good news? There will be a negataras, and you might have to move out of your home. And if the house is declared tame, and the Kohen gives the fateful order, sometimes there's nothing to do except knock down the house. And so with a heavy heart, you'll take a chisel and a hammer and begin banging away. You know, they had good heavy walls in their houses. Walls that were built generations ago by the Canaanim. Not homes like in Flatbush that are wood with some stucco on top of it. No, they were solid stone walls made to last for a thousand years. At least that's what he thought when he moved in. But now he sees that he has to knock the walls down. He's tearing down his home. What kind of good news is it here? It's a tragedy, a disaster. And so our sages go on and explain, what's so good? What's the good news for this man? Because as he starts dragging out the big pieces of chiseled stone from the wall, he sees there's a big hollow there. He takes a look in the hollow and he can't believe his eyes. He's seeing something shining, glittering, jewelry. So he digs a little bit more, and he finds there a whole mountain of diamonds, golden rings and bracelets, concealed in the wall, hidden there by the ancient inhabitants of the land. These were their walls before the Am Yisrael came into the land, and in their haste to escape, they left over treasures in the walls. 
And so it happens that the proprietor, who is mourning for the loss of his house, discovers that in the walls there was hidden away a chest of treasures, a pot of gold. Now this Jew, the Israelite, would have lived there forever without finding this treasure. In stone walls he would never discover what's hidden. And now this, ah, he says, now I understand why the Neget Salahs came. He looks back and he understands why this misfortune occurred to him. HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent leprosy to cause him to break down the walls in order that he should discover the treasures. And now, all his life, he looks back with gratitude to that misfortune. What better news could there be? If not for the leprosy on the walls of his house, he would have remained a poor man all of his life. And now, he's wealthy. He could buy a new house if he wants. He's able to support his sons-in-law in the koilel. And that's the Besuda toiva, the good tidings that Nisbasro Yisrael, what he thought was a tragedy, ended up being a windfall. Now, from this Gemara, it would seem that that is the purpose of all misfortunes. Every tzara that comes on a person is a besuda tova. Every misfortune is a treasure chest. Like the man whose business was torpedoed. A true story. A man in my shul. He took a big order from a stop and shop store. A chain store. And he didn't know that this store was already a customer of somebody else. Someone in the mafia. By accident, he took away a customer from the Italian mafia. And so they came the next night and they firebombed his store. He's out of a job now. And he thought that he was ruined. He was finished. But the truth is that the business was breaking his health. His nerves were fraying and his heart was sick. He was sacrificing his life for the store. But now nothing was left. So he went out of that business and he went and got another job. A nine to five city job where his health was maintained. And he had time even to start learning. The man never learned Gemara before, but as a result of the firebombing, he finally started learning Gemara now. He became a Talmud Chacham, a shtickle Lamdan too. Like they used to say a joke, a from joke. Chasuri michasro v'hachi katani. A man lost his money, and that's why he began learning. There are people who would have wasted their lives, but their business went broke, so they said, I'll just let it go. I'll sit in the coil someplace, and I'll be mistapig b'muat. I know a man like that. And then he spent his life, a long, happy life, learning Torah. There are all kinds of ways that misfortunes turn out to be good later in life. What about that beautiful girl who was engaged to a doctor and everybody was happy? It was Sason Vesimcha, the culmination of the dreams of her family, that the daughter should marry a doctor. And then the engagement was broken. His mother interfered and he called it off. You could imagine the tragedy in her home. Ayelala went out, an outcry. Oy, 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 the family was sitting shiva. They had lost that golden shidduch. But I know that this doctor happened to be a bum, a very modern Orthodox man who was a bum too. And so after the broken engagement, there came along a wonderful young man, a Frumaban Toida, who was making a good living in computers. It was a wonderful match. As a result of the tragedy, she was married to somebody else, who was ten times as good. 
and they lived happily ever after. She was saved from the doctor by this tragedy for which they were sitting shiva. Of course, I'm not recommending breaking engagements, but many times in life we see tzoros that have a benefit in this world. And looking back, we see it was a stroke of good luck that nothing better could have happened. I recall a case of a kolel man, a bentoida with a beard, a firm young man, and he happened to be in a certain place where Gentile boys came and annoyed him outside the door, outside the window. They were banging on the window and disturbing him. This kolel man happened to be a husky fellow and hot-tempered, a very strong type. So he ran out with the intention of doing something to them, and they fled. And as he was pursuing them, he fell down and broke both of his arms. I happened to meet him subsequently, and I told him it's a stroke of good luck for him, because he would have beaten them up, and then their big brothers or their fathers would have come, and they might come with a weapon. He got off easy, this fellow. The breaking of both of his arms, that's the way that he was prevented from getting into further trouble. If we study, if we look back on very many of the misfortunes in our own lives, we will see that there were blessings sent to prevent some later misfortune. There was a woman who crashed her car. She had a smash-up, so she had to go for a checkup, and the physician discovered there was a lump on her breast. She never would have found it until it would have been too late. Such things happen again and again. These stories are in the thousands only we're not accustomed to looking back and seeing how HaKadosh Baruch Hu is rescuing us and helping us all the time. And that's the great lesson of Venatati Nega Tzarat. I will give you a gift of Tzarat in your home. The tragedy leads you to the treasure. Now just reading this, we get the impression that Tzarat is always a telegram from OTB. Tzarat means... You're rich. A house acquires the nega in order that you should find a chest of gold. And so imagine now that a man and his wife came from the Midbar to Eretz Yisroel. And now finally, for the first time in many years, they're permanently settled in a real home with stone walls. He and his wife finally have a house. No more tents like they lived in the wilderness. Now we have real walls. It's a great happiness to live in a home. And all of a sudden, after getting settled, ready to stay here forever, they discovered that there is a negatzaras on the wall. And maybe the whole thing will have to come down. His wife is frantic. Chaim, what are we going to do with the kids? Where are we going to live? So suppose he says, don't worry about it, dear. I remember Moshe Rabbeinu giving a shiur, a Torah lesson in the wilderness. And he said that we'll discover gold in the walls. It's a besura tova. Is that how a Jew is expected to react when he finds a negatzaraz on the walls of his home? Of course not. It's not that simple. Not always were gold and silver found in the walls. Not every Canaanite had treasures. There were middle class Canaanites too. And even the wealthy Canaanites, maybe his wife, was a high roller who squandered her husband's money and didn't leave anything to hide away. And even the ones who had extra gold and silver, not every one of them hid his treasure between the stones of his house. Some found better hiding places than that. 
And so, as much as the lesson is true, that sometimes what you imagined was a tragedy will lead you to a pot of gold, we have to understand it on a deeper level. Our sages tell us that treasure in the wall is far from the whole story. It's an important lesson, but it's not the whole story. Because the Gemara tells us, what's the reason leprosy comes upon a man? A negatzaraz comes because of certain sins that a person did. For example, our sages tell us that sometimes saraz comes because of tzaras ayin. He was stingy to help his neighbors. Neighbors sometimes needed to borrow something, and he was stingy with his things. When his neighbor knocked on the door to borrow a hammer or a saw, he said, I'm sorry, I don't have a hammer. I don't have a saw. And that's one of the reasons why he had to carry out all of his stuff into the street. When a house becomes leprous, the first thing the Kohen has to do before he declares the house Tomei is Vitziva HaKohen, Upinu et habayit. The Kohen first tells you that you have to bring out all the things from the house onto the sidewalk. That's the Dean. Before the house is declared Tomei, you have to clear out the house. And now the neighbors are standing by, and now they see the man carrying out his things. Oh, they say, Chaim does have a hammer. He said he has no hammer, but he had one the whole time. Then he carried out a saw. He has a saw too. All these years he told me that he didn't have a saw to lend us. We actually see that he has a couple of saws. So while he's carrying out all the utensils into the street, the neighbors are seeing he has a hammer. He has a saw. He has everything. So we see now an entirely different reason why the Tzaraz came onto the man's home. He's supposed to see that he's being punished for something. That's what the Gemara in Brocha says about Tzaraz, about all misfortunes. If a man sees Tzaraz coming upon him, what should he do? He shouldn't say, Baruch Hashem, it's for a good purpose. Certainly it has a good purpose, but that's not enough. He has to search his deeds. He has to say, why did Hashem do this to me? And if he searches, he will discover. Among the things he'll discover is that he didn't lend his things to his neighbors. He had tzaras ayin. He was stingy with his things. That could be one of the things he'll discover. Tzaras is a punishment because HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't allow a man to camouflage himself Forever. It's a principle with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that sooner or later the truth will come out. A man can put up a front for some time, but there's a policy of Hashem to make him known. And so we see from this that the purpose of Saras is to expose this man, to show that he's been deceiving the people all these years. He doesn't have this. He doesn't have that. But actually, he was just a stingy fellow who never worked on breaking the Mida of being a Tsar Ain. And now, because the Tsaras came, he's embarrassed in front of all of his neighbors. That's an opportunity. A wake-up call. Hashem is knocking on the door trying to wake him up. Because as much as he was embarrassed now, shame in the next world is even worse. And so he gets busy doing teshuva. He'll become a lender of his tools from now on. He might even make a gemach for tools. And so we see now that Saras 
is not so that he should find the pot of gold hidden within the walls. It's so that he should find the pot of dirt hidden within the walls of his heart. Bekiros libo. That's the real pot of gold a person can find in this world. That's what the Rabbeinu Yonah tells us. If as a result of misfortune a man improves, then he should always look back to this time with the greatest joy, as if he actually becomes wealthy as a result. That is the pot of gold. There is no greater stroke of good luck than if a misfortune happens. And because of that, a person stops a bad habit. He changes a bad trait. If he can make even a little bit of tshuva and change himself, so he found a great treasure. Because that's the greatest success a man can have in life. After all, what are we in this world for? To find hidden treasures? To collect dukats? To collect apartment houses? Bishat pitirato shall adam. When a man has to go away from this world, ein milavin lo, lo kesef, velo zahav. His money and his property do not go with him. Ela toiro mazim toivim bilva. Only the Torah that he learned and the mitzvahs and good deeds that he performed of us. There, the real wealth of a person. And so, the good fortune is before you find the gold. When you're worried about the nega on the wall and you're thinking, why did Hashem bring this upon me? If you're searching out your ways, that's the best fortune you could find. When you change, when you improve, there's nothing in the world as valuable as getting better. And that's why in his Share Tshuva, when Rabbeinu Yonah introduces us to his program for making Tshuva, and he tells us that we have to look for incentives as life goes by. Day after day and season after season, people tend to relax into a lethargy and they fall behind in their program of accomplishment. And so we need incentives. And so he gives us Six opportunities which we could utilize as stimulants, as reminders to bestir ourselves and get busy and accomplish. And Hadere Harishon says Share Tshuva. It means the first opportunity, the most important, the most common stimulus that we should utilize to get better is the following. In translation, when there happens to a man some misfortune, he should take it to heart. And he should say, this is only because of my own misdeeds. That's how he should react to any misfortune that comes upon him. And that's the great principle, a very important principle that's neglected by almost everybody. It's a way of life that was practiced by our forefathers from the very beginning of our history. And it's repeated again and again in the Torah. Throughout Jewish history, it was always, Anachnu Pishanu Umarinu. We are guilty. Let us search out our ways and investigate our failures. Let us return to Hashem. Again and again. In the times of the Tanakh. In the times of the Gomorrah. Always. Our forefathers only attributed their misfortune to their sins. And that's because they understood the great principle of our emuna. That there are no accidents in this world. That's the first lesson a Jew has to learn. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in charge. 
Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, means He is the only one who controls the affairs of the universe. Whatever happens comes directly from Him. And if that's the case, everything has a purpose. You know, when a person attributes some happening merely to natural causes, it's a subliminated form of atheism. Could be that you are from Jew. You have a beard and payas, even a long coat. But there's something very important missing. You're missing the most important yisod. That it's Hashem who's doing everything. You know, the textbooks try to ridicule the old generations. They say that the ancients were ignoramuses who attributed epidemics to acts of God. But now, they're smarter. They imagine. They think they've progressed because the scientists today know that there are bacteria. Like a man wrote a letter in the Jewish week. And he said there that Rabbi Miller says that AIDS is a punishment, min hashamayim. So Mel Rosen, I love Hashnubel, the president of a gay synagogue, wrote a letter in response. He said, Miller is ignorant because we know that AIDS comes from a germ. You hear the Chochmah? Mel Rosen died recently at the age of 42. On his deathbed, he was still blaming the germs. They think that they've made progress because they don't understand how the ancients thought. Everybody in the ancient world understood that HaKadosh Baruch who acts through agents, whatever the agents are. That's a different story. Did they recognize precisely what the agents were, how they worked? I can't tell you that. But they believed in agents then too. Only they were looking behind the curtain at the one creating the agents, the one controlling the causes. And so you can be an up-to-date scientist and still understand that all the natural causes are agents of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, even when a man is suffering, even from an ordinary cold, if he wants to live according to the great Jewish principles, he should feel what the Torah teaches him to feel. When a man sees misfortune coming on him, he should examine his deeds. He understands that this is sent for the purpose of bestirring him, of awakening him, to search out his ways. And that's why when Saraz came upon a man's house, he followed the old Jewish derech of suspecting himself, of blaming himself, of searching. Maybe I have to remedy this fault and change this wrong habit. And he discovered, this thing is wrong or that thing. And he became better because of that. Because if a person searches, if he looks hard enough, a lot of people don't have to look hard at all. He's going to discover a pot of gold. Now, is it true that only because of their sins a misfortune comes? Absolutely not. Because we already learned about how leprosy came upon a house and the purpose was for the owner to discover a chest of gold. Sometimes it happens that way. He might discover wealth. Diamonds and gold and silver. Wealth is wealth. You can't ridicule wealth. But the real chest of gold is what we're learning about here. That he becomes better because of that nega on his wall that he searches out his ways and does teshuva. That's the besuda tova. That's the real good news. The great wealth of perfection that comes from utilizing misfortune for nach pesa for searching in ourselves. 
Now, this doesn't mean that some big catastrophe has to happen. It doesn't mean that you have to wait for fungi to grow on your walls. Because the wise man will use every opportunity he can, even the smallest things, the most minimal misfortunes. There's a Gemara Narichin that asks the question, Ad heichan tachlit yisurim. How far is the limit of suffering? Now, what kind of question is that? There's no limit to suffering. Some people suffer tremendously. But the Gemara means this. It's talking about the minimum. How much is already called suffering that you should take it as a hint to search out your ways? Does suffering have to be something big? Let's say you get on a bus. This happened to my relative. He got on the bus. It was the trolley in those days, and he couldn't find any money to pay for the fare. So he lost his head. He wouldn't get off. He didn't know what to do. So he said to the conductor, I'll write you a check. The conductor took him by the neck and he threw him off the trolley. That's a real misfortune. He got hurt. It happened to be that there was a lawyer on the trolley who said to him, I will take your case. And the lawyer eventually collected big money from the city for him. So even with that big misfortune, it turned out he found his pot of gold. But suppose it's something much smaller than that. Suppose a man gets on the bus and he has money. He has the 35 cents to ride, only that he forgot it in which pocket. And he's reaching into this pocket and that pocket. The passenger behind him says, Mister, come on, let's go. And he's a little bit embarrassed. So the Gemara Narichin says that even that is called Yisurim. That little bit is called suffering. And if you look in the Gemara there you'll see other things, even smaller things that are called suffering. Now, for what purpose does the Gemara tell us that? Just to know it, just to be able to say over a piece of Gemara, we're taught this so that we should not regard even such minor incidents as accidents. Because if a man sees Yisurim come upon him, he has to search out his ways. And he must know that these little things are included in the Yusurim. They are prods to wake him up from his stupor. You have to be a big man to take a hint like that. It says, a word to the wise is sufficient. Everybody knows what a kapula unsaranish is. Ever heard of a kapula unsaranish? It's called a kapula hint. A man in the city of Kapula once came to see a rich man and propose a business project. So the rich man said, I'm not interested. But this small-minded fellow kept on talking. The rich man was giving hints that he should leave, but he didn't listen. Finally, the rich man took him and threw him down the stairs. And as he's lying at the bottom of the stairs, he says, I think he wanted to get rid of me. I suppose he's not so interested in my business. That's called... A kapula hint. So if a man has to wait for a kapula hint, it won't be good. But a chacham, a wise man, takes the very first hint. And that's what the Gemara in Erichin wants to tell you. Now, there are many small things that happen to us. Every thinking person will see them in his or her own life. But at least a few examples we can talk about together. That way, we train ourselves to practice up, finding them and utilizing them to improve. That's how we're going to find the most important pot of gold. When you're sitting in a dentist chair, why should you sit there like a horse? 
a horse also sits in a dentist's chair. Veterinarians drill a horse's teeth too. That's not the way a Jew is supposed to sit. As a Jew sits in the chair at the dentist and the dentist says, open wide, why not think it over? Why do you have to open wide? Maybe you opened wide some other time when you weren't supposed to. And as the drill is going down and it hurts, whether it hurts much or it hurts a little bit, a wise person doesn't waste his life. He gets busy and he thinks, why is he drilling into my mouth? Maybe it's because I open my mouth too much. Maybe I talk too much. Now, naturally, somebody will say, well, he didn't brush his teeth. He ate candy before he went to sleep. And all that sweet stuff was twinging around his teeth during the night and rotting it away. But I know a relative of mine who hasn't brushed his teeth since he was born. I'm not recommending it, by the way. You should brush your teeth every night. Everybody, boys and girls, men and women, should brush their teeth at least once before going to bed. No question that it's beneficial. But this relative of mine has never gone to the dentist, and he never had a cavity. Now, it could happen that he was born with a special kind of mouth. It could be. But we have to understand that whatever happens has two reasons. Besides the material reason, there is no question that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is at the controls. HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't yield the control of the universe to bacteria. He is the boss over them too. And therefore, whatever happens is a result of his decree. And if a Jew understands that, and he takes the message directly from HaKadosh Baruch Hu to his own heart, and he utilizes it, so he leaves the dentist's office not only with his cavity filled, but also with a new resolve to change his ways. And that's the biggest achievement in life. Even if only the first hour, he'll keep his mind on his mouth. Just for one hour after leaving the dentist's office, he won't talk. He won't talk. Period. He's a fortunate man. It's worth having a cruel fellow put a drill into your mouth and mine into your teeth just to remind you that for the next hour, you shouldn't talk at all. Or for the next two hours, you should be careful what you talk. And if you stick your hand in your pocket and instead of that quarter that you needed, you find a hole in the lining, you don't be hard-hearted. Don't be like an atheist and say, it just happened that way. I should have taken care of my lining in my pants. You should take care of your lining. Certainly, you shouldn't have a frayed pocket. But now that the quarter is gone, you have to think, Nach Maybe I was stingy when the poor man came to me. Why did I give him a measly quarter? What's a quarter nowadays? It's time to give him a raise. Everything has gone up and I'm still giving out quarters. That's why the quarter left my pocket. And who found it now? Some unworthy fellow found it. What are you getting out of it now? That's how a Jew should live. If while you're eating, you give a good bite on your tongue. So instead of cussing, give a thought. What's my tongue to blame? Maybe something is wrong with my tongue. Maybe I should have bitten my tongue instead of saying that to my wife this morning. Guard your tongue against saying what you shouldn't. And so, as we go through life, we grab these opportunities that Hashem is sending upon us. I recall once I had just learned this idea during Musr Seder and somebody told me, there's a telephone call for you. 
So I left the base medrash and was running to the phone booth. And the booth was very low. So I banged my head against the top of the door. And I actually saw stars. Once in my life, I realized what it meant to see stars. I saw lights. But I was still fresh from the Musser Seder. So I had the presence of mind to think, Ah, that's what you deserve. That's what you get for running out of the Musser Seder to take a phone call. Once in my life, I was smart enough to take a hint. It just happened because I was in the midst of studying this subject. So I made use of it. But that's how we should be all our lives. And life will be one steady procession of tikkun, of growth, of improvement. Oh, that's silly, somebody will say. I'm going to waste my life thinking about the things that happened, inputting them to sins which I don't know about. I should say that HaKadosh Baruch was sending them upon me because of this or that. Maybe it's not because of that. Oh, it's so silly. The answer is, it pays to be silly. If you'll discover a pot of gold, it pays to be silly. And there is no question you'll discover it. It could be it's not the true reason. But what's going to happen? The result is that you're going to become better. And that's what Rabbeinu Yonah says. It's none of your business why HaKadosh Baruch Hu sent it. Your duty as a Jew is to attribute it to your own faults. And the result will be you will become improved. That's what counts. And that's how you'll discover that chest of gold. The chest of gold is if a Jew learns to take a hint from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So if you will make use of the opportunity, even if you won't guess the real reason, let's say you will blame yourself for something else, it wasn't the real reason. But at least you will get the benefit. In one thing, you will improve. And to improve, that's what we're here on this planet for. Every Jew has to feel that his function in life is to become the best he is capable of becoming. As long as he is given the opportunity. Which means life. Life means opportunity. Then, it's his function to seek, to perfect himself more and more. It's only once in all history that we are given this opportunity. So the wise person tries to utilize every little thing that happens to him. Because as long as we have the opportunity, we strive for greater and greater improvement. That's the wealth we should be aiming for. Because that is the wealth of this world. That's what the Rabbeinu Yonah says. When a man accepts the instruction of Hashem, and he will improve his ways or his deeds. He should rejoice on his misfortunes, on his sufferings. As on the great successes. Because that is the great success in this world. That's the real pot of gold. To come closer to Hashem. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Let's get practical. Discovering your pot of gold. Life is an opportunity for improvement. Whenever something happens to us, we trust that it's the best thing that could have happened. But the real best thing is when we improve ourselves. This week, I will remember to think into whatever happens to me.
If I find a reason for self-improvement, I have struck gold.